Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What is going on, everybody? P4C, the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. What a week, too, we just witnessed. I'm sure you're listening to this here after the Green Bay and Detroit game on Monday Night Football. This is being recorded prior, so hopefully that wasn't a dud. I have it being a dud. I'll give you my final score predictions for that game. But week two was magnificent, starting with Washington and New York into the 1 p.m. games to the 4 p.m. games ending with Baltimore and Kansas City. And that's what's going to bat lead off here. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, they beat the Chiefs uh, for the first time in a, in a few years since Lamar and Mahomes have taken over at quarterback. I didn't learn that much. I don't think you learned that much. I'm going to break it down as why that is. In the NFL, there's a certain aspect you have to have at signal caller. I don't think Baltimore's got it. We'll touch on that. Tua Tagovailoa, another quarterback we're going to talk about. I think Miami... The expectations are too high, way too high, and I think that's something that Tua is not going to be able to outrun with the Dolphins. We're going to hit on that. And then, of course, since we're two games through the year, going to talk about the 2-0 teams, the undefeated, and then the 0-2 teams, the defeated, and what I think about all of them. I'm also noticing, if you are aggressive this offseason with quarterback play, you got to feel really good with where you're at. If you were safe, if you were not aggressive, I got some other thoughts on that. It's episode 54 of the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. My goodness, the National Football League. What a week two slate of games we got on on Sunday. It started on Thursday with the Washington and New York game. And um, I guess it's Maryland or is it's wherever the formerly, you know, uh, gosh, I almost say their name. I got to get that out of my my rhetoric, the Washington football team, almost called them the other name, wherever they play, whether it's Virginia, Maryland, um, I think like anywhere in that Northeast region, wherever DC is, I just know they don't play in Washington, DC. It started with that great game, kicked over to the 1 p.m. Eastern games where you had um, the Rams in Indianapolis. That was a good one. Houston and Cleveland actually was a pretty close game. And then San Francisco and Philly. And then we had the pleasure of the Dallas-Los Angeles game at Sci-Fi Stadium or SoFi Stadium in um, in L.A. And, of course, it ended with the Baltimore and Kansas City game. Just It just proves there is nothing better. The best reality 
television out there, National Football League. And they have designed their game to where there's all these comebacks in the last two minutes and the score is close. And the offense, even if you're a bad offense, you have the ability to score late to make the game close and potentially win the game. Even look at Minnesota. They lost because their kicker can't kick uh, a three-point play from like the 18-yard line. And their offense is just okay. And they had a chance to win in the last like minute 30 because uh, the National Football League just knows how to print cash. They know how to change the rules to make the league fun and entertaining. And, you know, week two was a great, great week. And it was capped off by Lamar Jackson and the Ravens beating the Chiefs on Saturday night. And, and that's what I want to talk about here. Lamar Jackson came into this league more of a project than a prospect, in my opinion. He has surpassed my expectations, both as an NFL player and someone that's a signal caller of the offense. I definitely think you can win a lot of games with Lamar Jackson. I definitely think that Baltimore should entertain signing him into an extension. But yesterday's win against the Chiefs, I I, I got done watching the video of John Harbaugh addressing the team in the locker room after yesterday's win. He's all fired up. He's all fired up. He's saying, way to go offensive line, way to go defensive backs, way to go this and that. A great team win, which it was. He should be given credit. But then he goes out of his way to say, big game for number eight, big game for the quarterback. Obviously talking about Lamar Jackson. The Ravens are obsessed with you know gaining approval for Lamar Jackson because they see how special he is. They see what he means to their team. They think he's a very special talent, which he is. And think that and they, they just get obsessed with what media and people say about him. And I argue that the media loves Lamar Jackson. They are always trying to validate his performance, always seeking approval for maybe folks like me who want to discredit him. But I didn't learn that much as far as Lamar Jackson yesterday evening that I didn't already know. I know when the Ravens play, they'll pummel the shitty teams. They will beat the Bengals and the Jets and the Jaguars. And, you know, last year I was thinking when they play the good teams, I don't know if they're going to win. Now, they have done some winning against some good teams. They beat the Titans in the playoffs last year. Um, they, They also have beaten the Patriots in the regular season. They've now beaten the Chiefs. But they have lost to the Titans earlier in 2020, the Patriots last year in 2020, the Steelers in 2020, and lost to the Bills in the playoffs. And really with Kansas City, Kansas City has beaten them despite playing poor defense in those two games, both in 2019 and in 2020. And the reason the Chiefs lost tonight is because they were horrendous on defense. That's what it took for the Ravens to beat the Chiefs yesterday. They had to be all-time bad, Kansas City, for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to win. They gained 251 rushing yards on the ground. That's Baltimore. That's what the Kansas City rush defense surrendered yesterday. That equated to 35 minutes of controlling the football for the Ravens. It's not like the Chiefs' offense played bad. They played the same like they have done the last two years against the Ravens. In 2019, the Kansas City Chiefs won 33-28. They surrendered 203 rushing yards that game. Kansas City, 203. Last year, the Chiefs won 34-20. They surrendered 158 rushing yards on the ground. Both performances, I would say that those are bad. 
Those are bad performances as far as rush defense. Yet they still won the game in those two years. It took this year to be their absolute worst. It took 251 rushing yards surrendered for Baltimore and Lamar Jackson to win. And they won by one point, 36-35. And hey, in this league, this is why I love the NFL over college football. Though, I'm watching more college football than ever this year. And I, you know, I, I still like the game. But a win is a win is a win. Baltimore, credit to you. You took home the W. You take a dub any day of the week. But I didn't learn anything that I didn't already know. And I'm still convicted as ever that when you get into a drop-back passing game and Lamar Jackson is your quarterback, I don't feel good about winning. I do not feel good about winning. If your defense is not stopping the other team and you're facing someone like Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or... Or, or, um, or Josh Allen even of Buffalo, I don't feel good that Lamar Jackson is going to throw you back into the game. Yeah, he's a good runner, and he will be someone to be reckoned with for many years and someone always to be reckoned with on the ground any play. But guess what? You're not going to just run your way back into the game. And more than anything, with Lamar Jackson, when you're rushing the ball, you're going to take hits. I don't want my quarterback... You know, being vulnerable to getting knocked out of the game when I'm trying to get back in the game. The Chiefs offense scored 35 points yesterday. One for six on third down. I didn't learn that much from Baltimore yesterday. Yes, I think they have surpassed expectations with Lamar Jackson. I think he is a great quarterback. But this organization, whether it's the social media accounts, even John Harbaugh, you can see him on the sidelines uh, during the NFL films talking about how All these young kids are going to be buying his jersey, what he's doing to revolutionize the NFL. He's not revolutionizing anything. Are you kidding me? He's a unique talent. There's not going to be someone as gifted as a runner who's also capable as a thrower like him. He's a unique talent, but it also makes it a very, very big headache in evaluating him. I keep tweeting it out all the time. $35 million a year for this guy? I don't know. I really don't know. He cannot throw you back into the game. What do you have to do in 2021? You have to throw the football, and you have to throw the football to every area of the field. That's how the NFL is designed nowadays. To get back in the game, the rules have created it, so you pass the football. I think he's a great talent. I think he's a weapon on the field. But $35 million a year, I'm not ready to commit to that. And I don't think Baltimore is ready to commit to that. That's why they haven't. I know he's serving as his, his, his own agent. That's weird. He shouldn't be doing that. But Baltimore hasn't put it down yet. They haven't put that pile of cash in front of them. Yesterday was a good win for Baltimore. I know they were missing their running backs, their offensive line. Kansas City, it took an all-time worst performance on their rush defense. And that's why Baltimore won the game. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, I don't know how far they can go when it gets to a 2021 NFL game. I remember when Russell Wilson came into the league. Third round pick, Bill Polian at the time. I remember he was on the NFL draft show during the 2012 draft where Seattle selected Wilson. Uh, Expectations were low. Drafted in the third round. Um, At the time, they just signed Matt Flynn, uh, the quarterback for Green Bay. Signed him to like a three-year deal. They, they didn't expect Wilson to be the starter coming out. Nor did they even expect him to play at any point. But it set the bar for expectations being very low. At that point, 
it really seemed like Russell Wilson, even in his first year, exceeded expectations. Well, the inverse is happening with the Miami Dolphins, with Tua Tagovailoa. 2018 national title game. Comes in in the second half for Jalen Hurts because he actually is capable as a thrower at the time. And wins the national title game for Alabama over Georgia. Looks off the safety. Good move or good read for a freshman quarterback um, in his true freshman season in a national title game. But it set the bar. It set the bar. He wins a whole bunch of games at Alabama over his three-year career. I think he had one loss. Uh, He's number five overall. He goes right before Justin Herbert. And it sets the expectations very high. For someone that is 22 at this point, and then he has a really, really subpar season. He gets, um, you know, subbed out for Ryan Fitzpatrick in, in big games, and then uh, his relief pitcher, as Ryan Flores called it, comes in, throws the ball down the field, scores touchdowns, and Miami Dolphins win the game. And now we're in year two. Tua Tagovailoa still is chasing this ghost. He's chasing this ghost of injuries, and can he live up to the billing that really started when he was 19 years old or 20 years old in that national title game? And it's growing increasingly scary from my perspective. I I just don't think he's ever going to be able to outrun it. Not, Not unless he ultimately fails in Miami, goes onto another team, sits behind another quarterback, and then maybe comes in two, three years down the road. Like, this this is just headed straight nowhere for the Dolphins. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I take away from that game, if I'm Brian Flores, that I just faced Josh Allen. I'm going to be facing him for 10 more years. They just signed him up to a big contract. Mac Jones in New England, while he hasn't played great, he's not committing mistakes. And I have a quarterback who might not be that much better than Zach Wilson, who's been awful uh, for the Jets in his two starts. I may very well have the fourth best quarterback in my division, and we just drafted him number five overall, and the guy behind him is out in L.A., Justin Herbert, and he's lighting the world on fire. He threw the rookie uh, touchdown record last year in 2020. I'm Brian Flores. I'm not really feeling good about this. And the fact that I had to announce to my team when the Deshaun Watson rumors were uh, you know, flaring around my organization just a couple of weeks ago, Brian Flores had to address the team and say, we are rallying behind Tua. That was the report that came out via the NFL Network. That's not good. If you have to address the team about the starting quarterback position two weeks into minicamp or to, uh, yeah, I guess it would be minicamp uh, a couple couple days before the regular season, that's not good. That's horrible. You had players off the record in two different articles over the offseason Say how Tua is, quote-unquote, not the guy. This, this is just turned into freight train headed for nowhere for Brian Fuller's. I, I mean, I think he has a quarterback who, I you know, I like. I liked him coming out of the draft. I didn't think he was a first-round guy. I would have taken him maybe in a third-round pick, fourth-round pick. But all I could see was a guy who's coming off a major hip injury, Bo Jackson-like, and now I've seen him play NFL games, and he just looks slow. He just looks slow. There's there's no zip on his passes. Everything looks so forced and so tough for him to execute. And now he's got this injury that he came out with, and who knows if Jacoby Brissett's going to have to start this week or if two is going to be ready to go. But you just lost 35 to nothing to the Bills. 
they're maybe the number one team in the division, if not New England. And Zach Wilson, I mean, he didn't have a great day. But he may not be all that much worse than the quarterback that you have, Tua Tagovailoa, who you had to basically um, you know, praise in front of the team and tell them this is the route that we're going, despite no one in the locker room actually agreeing with it. It's a very bad look. It is a great example about how expectations can really derail a career. And in the inverse with Russell Wilson, it can really help a career. Tua Tagovailoa, I don't see how he has a successful career unless he leaves Miami, unless he goes to the bench, and then he comes in later. Because right now with the Dolphins, it looks like it's headed absolutely nowhere. Okay, definitely want to hit on, since we're two games through the year here, the 2-1-0 teams and the 0-1-2 teams. I'll be splitting it down by conference. We will start in the AFC, first talking about the 2-1-0 teams, then going to the 0-1-2 teams. Uh, we'll flip-flop, that is, each way, and we'll start with the Las Vegas Raiders. I definitely think there is something as far as just having an image and having a coach in Vegas, granted, it's the first year with Las Vegas football, but John Gruden, you know, I remember watching that Monday night game and he's making funny faces after they, they tie the game and go on that drive. And you can tell he's like scrunching up his nose and he's all fired up and he just wants to scream something, but he's holding it in because he knows the game's not over. He's an absolute rock star in Las Vegas. And I think that's a good thing when you're the Raiders getting into a town like Vegas, you maybe don't want your quarterback, someone like Derek Carr, or even someone younger at the quarterback position, 23, 24 years old. You don't want them to be the face of the franchise. You don't want them to have the sway. Have someone who's a head coach. Back when uh, this league was really humming, or not really humming, it is humming now, but back when this league was taken off, it was guys like Madden, Walsh, uh, Chuck Knoll, these just big name head coaches. And when you're starting off in a new city, that's probably a good thing that it's a head coach and not a quarterback. And I think right now they are riding on John Gruden, someone who knows he has to perform. Derek Carr is in a contract year, so he's right there with them. They are riding the momentum. They are 2-0. and And I have the Chargers and Broncos making the playoffs this year, but maybe I was wrong. Maybe the Raiders, this is their year. They're starting off 2-0. and and maybe they will end up making the playoffs out of the AFC West. Going over to the 0-2 side, the Jets, just absolutely awful. Like I said earlier, Zach Wilson just looks like a guy who, you know, he's not ready to play. He was taken number two overall. They fell in love with the traits. I remember the GM at the time, or the GM right now, uh, Joe Douglas, he said at the time that it was about hitting the quote-unquote reset button financially. The reset button financially when we're talking about rookie wages for quarterbacks, it does not matter if the guy doesn't play well. And this guy plays horrible. He's been awful. He had four interceptions on five picks or you know three interceptions on four picks, whatever it was, yesterday against New England. He's been awful. And Robert Sala, you know, a defensive guy, right now he doesn't have anybody healthy on defense. How are you going to install a program if you don't even have your best players there to carry out what you're doing? Right now it's all rookie guys who are inexperienced, uh, talented, but not skillful yet. It's going to be tough sledding for New York over there with the Jets. The Broncos, 2-0, Vic Fangio coaching for his career, and Teddy Two Gloves uh, being very steady. Okay, they're not doing much offensively. I didn't expect them to do much offensively, but defensively, they're as good as anybody. Now, they've had the Giants, they've had the Jaguars, 
They haven't had a huge test yet, but I am seeing the talent. They are playing fast. Uh, they have great scheme. And I really don't see a hole on the defense. I think they can win a lot of games this way. I think they're going to win enough games to be a wild card. And they are right on track with what I thought. The Colts, 0-2. You know, Frank Wright does this where he starts off bad. And then somehow, some way they make the playoffs. Although, 0-2, we do know the statistics with that. And I'm not writing them off because they're in a bad division. Carson Wentz, he's been okay there were some throws yesterday that maybe he should have taken that he didn't, and there are some throws uh, where he did a little too much. There's just a feel for the quarterback position. I think Joe Burrow has it, although he had a rough performance. Carson Wentz does not have that feel. I think he's very talented. I think when he is in limited structure, much like a Joe Flacco, he can play really well, and he's more talented than Joe Flacco. But right now, Wentz, you, you need to make the decisions very simple for him. A, B. Cut the field in half. Make it simple for him. I think Frank Reich has done an okay job of that, but now he's got hurt ankles. And again, it's just undependable. He's not dependable right now, whether it's performance or availability. And they got to get a win quick. Um, Otherwise, even this lousy division, they could lose control of it. And then the Jaguars. Um, What a clown show. What an absolute clown show. Urban Meyer's coming out with a statement via Twitter. I know it wasn't his idea. The Jaguars Twitter account put it out there for him, but he's over here saying, stick with us. And then, and then he kind of goes in to having this Tebow like uh, script. At least it seemed like it. It seemed like he started to give the university of Florida Tebow script, you know, like when he's crying at the press conference and says, nobody's going to work as hard as I'm going to work. It almost seemed like Meyer talking about the 904 or Duval or whatever Northern uh, Jacksonville uh, claims itself as. He talked about, if there's one thing I know about Jacksonville, they know that nobody's going to work harder than us. It it almost was reminiscent of that as if he's like trying to rally the, uh, the region behind him like Tebow did. And I just think if you're doing that after two games, after you earn the number one pick and your quarterback's not playing well, you're in for a very long season and, I just, I really don't know if this guy's going to last past one season at Jacksonville. To the NFC, we got the San Francisco 49ers. My goodness, running back depth. It is to the thinnest of of margins here. I heard that they were working out Lamar Miller. I know they got on Johnson on the practice squad, and they were going to take a look at a couple other running backs. They, they just, they're dropping like flies there, but they got out a 17 to 11 win. And during that game, all I could think about was how Trey Lance would be incapable. And, I, you know, I think he's a good prospect. I'm not even knocking you exactly for wanting to see what that guy has eventually down the line because I think he can potentially be a good quarterback. But putting that guy in the game right now to play full-time, he would not be able to grind out a win like that. He doesn't know how to operate an offense and understand how to play complementary football when there's not a lot of plays out there for you because your offense doesn't have its running backs. And because the uh, defensive line is getting to the quarterback really well, you have to understand that points are precious, but also not turning the ball over is very, very important in a game like that. And Jimmy Garoppolo understood that. He avoided mistakes. They did their best to get points. But I just thought the entire time that Trey Lance would not put them in position to win this game. They would have lost at Lincoln Financial Field. And Jimmy Garoppolo just proves, again, for Super Bowl aspirations this year, this is the best guy to be quarterbacking the team right now. 
The New York football Giants 0-2. I don't know if there could have been a worse loss at a worse time for someone like Joe Judge. He is in year two. So it's not year three yet, but he's in year two. And you go and play maybe the worst team in the division against a backup quarterback, and you have the lead, and you cannot, you cannot find yourself to take the training wheels off for Daniel Jones, who he didn't play bad of what was asked of him, but they obviously didn't feel comfortable asking more of him. They didn't ask him to make big throws. Meanwhile, on the other side in Washington, I see Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, having his offensive coordinator, throw it down the field. Have Tyler Heineke or Heineke, undrafted Old Dominion guy, sling it across the field. Let's go. What are we waiting for? But Daniel Jones, number six overall, 2020, and you don't feel comfortable having him throw the ball down the field, trying to make plays? It was just real, real conservative for a game of that magnitude to uh, make sure that you don't start 0-2 and to get a win against a bad team. If not against Washington, then when? When do you feel comfortable calling a shot for Daniel Jones? Just bad, and again, New York Giants off to a bad start. Los Angeles Rams, a close game against Indianapolis, but I think this is a credit to Sean McVay. A lot gets made out of his play design and his imaginative offense out there with the Rams, but his game management is something that doesn't get a lot of credit. And in this win, they won by a field goal. Uh, The quarterback went down for Indianapolis. Not their sharpest game. Cooper Cup had over 100 yards. Big game for him. But I think this was a credit to Sean McVay and how he called offense and how he played based off how his defense was playing. Uh, They were able to get Wentz to make some bad decisions in that game um, as far as the defense and the looks that they gave to make sure that uh, Carson basically ruined himself and therefore ruined the offense. McVay knew he didn't have to do too much uh, to win that game. And they got 27 points, and that was enough to win. And now they are 2-0, and and I think maybe just the best team in this division. Minnesota Vikings, 0-2. And, you know, look, I was high on them, and I like Mike Zimmer, and I like their offense, and I like their defense, and I like their special teams all added up together. But kickers, they're part of the game too. And he missed one after Kirk Cousins in a limited offense, drove down the field with about a buck 30 left, and the kicker wasn't able to make uh, the three-point play that he is told to rep out every single day in practice. And yeah, it costs him. Minnesota, I think they got better players. I think right now their chances to make a wild card have been hit big time because they're starting 0-2. But long season, especially in a 17-game schedule, we'll see if they can get back into this thing. But definitely not the start that you need to make a wild card like I thought. Arizona. Definitely an exciting offense. I like Kyler Murray. I'm looking at the stats now. He threw for 400 yards yesterday, three touchdowns, 29 of 36. Uh, That was best this week. Uh, Still one game to go here on Monday Night Football. But, you know, look, he's an exciting player. And I think when you do not get pressure up the middle on him from the defensive tackles, he can have a big day because he's got that supersonic speed that he runs like, and he's able to sling the ball from all different platforms, all different angles, and they got some offensive firepower. But, you know, ultimately, I don't know if this is going to last. You got Tennessee after they were hit with COVID, and then this time with Minnesota, you should have lost that game, but you got a break because the kicker didn't make it. So, 
you know, with Minnesota, I'm still in wait and see mode with them. I think the jury's still out. I think they got offensive talent. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury, who's never won anywhere, he left Texas Tech because he was fired and because they didn't win enough games. I don't know if he's going to play complimentary football with his defense. We will see as we move forward. The Atlanta Falcons, 0-2, right where I thought they would be. They gave um, Tampa Bay and the Buccaneers a little run for their money. Just proves that there's no easy games in the NFL. I thought the offense for the Bucs was definitely in tune. Um, it looked kind of easy-peasy at the beginning. Got a little rough for them in uh, about the midway through the first quarter. But then after that, they, they were good, and the defense kind of settled in. But it just does go to show, if you got a quarterback that's capable as a passer, you can hang in the game. But ultimately, you know their defense does not have enough talent. Matt Ryan threw a couple of early picks, and we're going to talk about their lack of motivation to move on from him here in a minute. But right now, Atlanta, um, you know, right where you think they're going to be, just lack of talent. They got some good players on offense, and they're going to be in some games because they can score some points. But ultimately, special teams, defense, that's going to what that's going to be what derails them ultimately because they just do not have enough talent on that side of the ball. And then we'll kick it back to the Buccaneers where they are 2 and 0 and like I said easy peasy when you play that much football like Tom Brady has, he has all the answers, they have the offensive firepower. Definitely proves that with an offseason with a healthy knee, Tom Brady and the Bucks definitely have the opportunity to repeat here. They got all 22 starters on both sides of the ball. Can they stay healthy? Can that offensive line stay healthy? I thought that was probably the anomaly out of their season last year is that all five of their guys were able to make all the games. I just hope that they have some reserve. If you are Tampa Bay, do you have a reserve offensive tackle, a reserve guard that can step in for the playoffs or even for a month if Ali Marpe or Ryan Jensen, if they go down, you're going to have to make sure that someone can protect that 44-year-old quarterback, and uh, we'll see if that is tested here as we move forward. And then the Carolina Panthers, my pick to click here in the 2021 season. I thought they really show what they have to offer. They're a strong team up front on the defensive line. They're a tough team. They're a fast team. They're a physical team, and they're good at the best spots. That's what I kept coming back to. Defensive line, particularly defensive end, cornerback, offensive line that got better. And then, of course, quarterback, Sam Darnold. He's not the most talented. He's not the most skilled. He's not that great pre-snap. But what he is is he's competent at all levels. You put those good positions around him. You give him some skill with Robbie Anderson. This team is making some noise, and they're right on track to be what I thought. And that's a wild card team in the NFC. Okay, moving on to what I mentioned when we discussed the Falcons and, and with Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan, you know, he, he's not at the end of this thing, but I think if you're the Falcons, when you hire Arthur Smith, you have got to considerably weigh the option of moving on from that quarterback, knowing that, you know, look, he's talented and he can get you on the scoreboard where you want to be with 30-plus points. But at the same time, if there's a cheaper option – and if you can really get draft capital to help you re-kind of calibrate your organization quickly with those draft picks, you got to consider it. But what they did is they went with the safe decision. And a lot of times when you play it safe, you're not going to get where you want to be. Tua Tagovailoa, safe move. Big Ben, safe move. Ryan Tannehill, safe move. I know Ryan Tannehill just won. 
That was on the heels of Derrick Henry. King Henry does it again in rushing the football, 182 yards, 35 attempts. Ryan Tannehill was not the reason they won that game. I remember after that 2019 AFC title game, I was not up for Tennessee giving them or giving him that contract. He's not that good of a player. Big Ben, final year. If you're Pittsburgh, you have to convince that guy to retire. You have to get someone that's going to come off off the bench and, and you know beset him. Just like the Giants did with Eli Manning. With Daniel Jones, at least they had someone waiting in the wings while Eli Manning was still on the roster, but they played it safe. Tua Tagovailoa, Brian Flores, we already hit on it. He's basically having to convince his team that Tua is the player. Except you had this draft. You had this draft to take a quarterback, whether it was Mac Jones, Trey Lance, um, or, or Justin Fields, but you traded your picks to San Francisco. You played it safe. And Matt Ryan... Again, they took Kyle Pitts, who looks like you know an exceptional player. But when you're talking about the quarterback position, you know whether it was the draft or whether it was free agency um, to find someone who's equal as Matt Ryan, I find it that playing it safe is not the way to go. Because look at the teams right now who have not played it safe. Uh, Matt Jones and the New England Patriots. They initially just signed Cam Newton for like a million bucks. What did they do? They drafted a quarterback that was available to them. Uh, Matthew Stafford in the Rams. What did they do? They traded two first-round picks for a quarterback. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, they still got Garoppolo playing, but they got someone waiting in the wings that they really like in Trey Lance. And, you know, you look at his throw capability in the preseason, definitely looks like it's all there. Now, he's not ready yet, but they weren't afraid to go big. Uh, Sam Darnold, Carolina Panthers, they weren't afraid to make a move off the guy that they had. They said, okay, here we go. Sam Darnold's available. Someone doesn't think they, they can uh, fix him in the New York Jets. We'll take a chance, and right now they're going big. Even look at Carson Wentz in the Indianapolis Colts. They weren't afraid to move off of someone. They weren't afraid to get a depreciated asset and get someone that they think they can fix. Right now, when you roll with what you got, when you want to wait things out, even though they've given you reason to believe that it's not going to work, all those guys have given you reasons to believe it's not going to work. Matt Ryan, he can only operate if he has a good receiver. When his receivers aren't healthy, a.k.a. Julio Jones, his numbers drop off. When he does not have his coordinator, a.k.a. Kyle Shanahan, 2016, when he won the MVP, he is not the same player. He's an okay player. He's not an exceptional player. Big Ben, old. Looked very old yesterday. Tua Tagovailoa, slow. Looks like to be the worst player in his division. Ryan Tannehill, you have to run King Henry to an overtime win? Look, I like King Henry, and I think Tennessee's a solid football program. But if you're paying a guy $35 million a year and he can't throw you to a win, sorry, I don't like that idea at all. You have to go big. You have to be willing to play quarterback merry-go-round. Otherwise, you will stay irrelevant. If you want to stay relevant, you have to be able to go big. The Rams went big. The Wentz with the Colts, they've tried to go big. And the Panthers went big in trading for Sam Darnold. You cannot be afraid to make moves at the quarterback position in the NFL. So I am recording this prior to Monday Night Football. Uh, Detroit visiting Green Bay for Monday Night Football. So you're likely listening to this after Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have won, which that's my prediction. I think they win. I think they take care of business. 
But how in the hell, if you're the NFL, do you choose the Lions to be on Monday Night Football for Week 2? I mean, come the hell on. I don't see how this is a game you put this early on the slate. With Monday Night Football, you're locked into the games. Unlike Sunday Night Football, where they can flex out of those games and you can put, as the season moves forward, better teams on the primetime slate, uh, 7-15 on Sunday nights, you're locked into it on Monday Night Football. And you chose to you know, get the Lions on in Week 2. I guess maybe I can see the theory as far as getting the bad ones out of the way when you know, football is at its highest peak interest-wise. You know, we've been deprived of football. It's second week of the season. People still have the thirst for it. So even if the Lions are on, you're going to watch it. But at the same time, I want to make sure that the good teams, or at least the teams that I think are good teams in Week 2, are still playing. And we know Green Bay is going to be a good team. I know they had a stinker last week, but they're going to win 34-10. to That's my prediction here tonight on Monday night, September 20th. Detroit goes into Green Bay, gets trounced. I think they play hard because I think Dan Campbell, while he's goofy, while he's quirky, while I don't know exactly what he brings to the table other than toughness and uh, relentless effort, I think they give just that and they will play hard. And hopefully it will be a good game, but I do see Aaron Rodgers and the Packers ultimately pulling away late in the third quarter, kind of making it a stinker come the fourth quarter. But I, I think it's really bad on the NFL to choose this game to be week two. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers will give us something to talk about tomorrow as far as the offense bouncing back. I think the defense for Green Bay is still a work in progress, but they got a new defensive coordinator that's going to make things a lot better in Joe Woods. Um, but I, I think they will take a positive step in the right direction here in week two after getting thrashed by Sean Payton and the Saints down in Jacksonville in week one. I got 34 to 10 Packers over the Lions here in week two, Monday night football. Appreciate everybody listening. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. It's episode 54. Thank you so much for tuning in questions, comments right here on the show. If you tweet at me, if you message me at Pete four C, or if you hit up the text line or call line, we'll even play the audio right here on the show, but you got to call 816 816- 226-7483. I'll play it right here on the show. Tell me what you think of the takes. Tell me what your takes are. I want to know your thoughts. We'll play them right here on the show, but you got to hit 816-226-7483 at Pete Forcing on all social media. Subscribe, review, tell your friends, tell your folks who tell whoever likes sports to listen to the podcast. We will be covering it all season long, every week right here at the podcast with Pete Forsey. Thanks so much. We will see you guys next week.